0: Just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that we have the awesome privilege and honor to be in your presence this morning. That, Lord, we come to give you praise and adoration. And, Lord, we know that you meet us right now in this moment, in this place, that, Lord, we showed up to meet you. And, Lord, we meet you in that worship, in that praise. We meet you at the table, Lord. And, Lord, we meet you in your word. So Father, speak to us, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear as we meet you here now in this place so that we could leave changed and different as a result of seeing you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how's everyone's recovery going post-holidays, I assume? Yeah, we're making our way and... It's just always amazing to me how fast you go through from Advent to Epiphany, and we'll be in Lent before we know it, and you just blink an eye, and that keeps happening. The older I get, the faster things go. I noticed that when I was a kid, I had all this spare time. Do you remember those days when you had nothing to do all day? Do you remember the line, I'm bored? <laughs> i long for those days of boredom. And just life comes, and, and it goes through. And we go through Advent, and, and, and we come through those moments, and we like to wait to take our tree down till after the Epiphany. And, and sometimes that goes on till almost Lent that <laughs> it takes place. But eventually, we're going to get to getting that tree down. And, and our, 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 we believe our Christmas tree is speaking to us because it's starting to reject the ornaments, and they're spontaneously falling. So it might be time. Um, before a fire that we take that down and it's kind of the reminder we're moving into a new season as that happens and we concluded advent with the feast of the nativity and we're reminded of preparing our hearts for the coming of the messiah john's ministry was concise clear and convicting it moved in the hearts of those who gathered as he spoke that truth there was a desperate need for the jewish people to repent and turn back to god That they had to make their way back and he was giving a message on what that was to make their hearts right or make that way back to the Lord. John preached on the kingdom of God and he was anointed by God for this very mission. He was anointed by God for this very purpose for such a time as this to prepare the hearts of those for the coming of the Messiah. John is doing the very thing that he was born to do. He's fulfilling the purpose that God had planned for him. And just like John, each one of us have a purpose. And God wants to fulfill his very purpose in your life. That we're called to participate in the building of the kingdom of God. That that we're not called to be spectators and to watch these things occur. But like John, there is a plan and there's a purpose for every one of us in this church. And God wants to see that plan and that purpose to be fulfilled. And John was fulfilling that plan. John was fulfilling that very purpose and, and leading those who are lost to the kingdom of God. Those who are who, who are out and, and have strayed from God and bringing them back to saying you need to come and turn from that way. And while John is preaching on repentance, which by the way, for any preacher, I don't know how many has gathered the masses as a result of preaching on repentance. It's not a, to- a topic everyone gets excited about. Like, hey, you know what you need to do? You really need to change your life because you're far from God. Why don't you come to church? But because John was anointed for what he was doing, people heard the message. Because John was speaking truth, and that truth was reaching the hearts of those who were following him. Do you know that many say that they have written, or theologians, men who are a lot smarter than I am, say that John's ministry could have been all of six months of that gathering and bringing people to the Jordan and and preparing them and and baptizing them, that this wasn't this long, ongoing ministry. And we know John and Jesus are just six months apart. And there was a Levitical law of priesthood that actually you could be a priest at 20, but it wasn't until you're a priest at 30 that you can actually receive the offering for reconciliation or for that offering for repentance. So, So at 30, you would receive that offering for repentance. And here is John preparing the way, and here's Jesus who will be that ultimate offering for repentance the high priest, the prophet, the king. So John is preaching this sermon, and he's giving this word, and they're following him at the Jordan, and, and there's one purse, person left that catches his attention, that catches John by surprise. There's one standing there that he wasn't prepared for or ready for, not really sure, but he was being faithful in the purpose that God had for his life. And we read in Matthew chapter 3 at verse 13, it said, Then Jesus came from Galilee, which is up north, to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. (coughs) Kind of a reminder of Peter there. When Jesus has to turn to Peter and say, Get behind me, Satan. That you don't have the things of God in mind. And in a way, John wasn't seeing the bigger picture in that moment. Trying to prevent God's bigger plan that's impossible to prevent. But John recognizing in this moment something was different. Asking that question that you're coming to me. See, John knows Jesus. They're related. They would go together to down to the temple for high holidays and and worship together at the temple for feast days that, that maybe their families would gather at certain events or times that they would come together. And he knew who Jesus was as his families gathered. John knew the true character of Jesus. But I don't think John knew all along exactly who Jesus was. He didn't know exactly. He knew he was different in a holy way. And, and Scripture tells us in John's Gospel that he would, he would know being faithful in what he was to do, who the Messiah was when the Spirit would descend upon him. And it was at this moment, it was in this time, that, that God's going to reveal himself. And he, he's revealing fully to John. And soon Jesus would be affirmed in this moment as well. That for John, this was was all transpiring, what what he was being faithful in, what God told him to do, that he's living out God's plan, he's living out God's purpose for his life, that John is, is in this moment, it's being fulfilled what God promised John, what would happen. Desperately, John wants to fulfill God's purpose. I think for each one of us, we should have that same desperation. I think for each one of us should say God has something more in my life that he wants to do for his kingdom. That God has a plan and no matter where we're at in that walk right now God still will fulfill those plans and those purposes like he did with John like he did with his disciples as he modeled it for Jesus being faithful what God called him to do. In, in Matthew chapter 3, just a little bit earlier in verse 11, uh, Jesus, John says, as he's preaching this message to that crowd, just before this occurs, and he tells them, indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he's coming after me who's mightier than I. John's saying, I'm a forerunner. I'm preparing, but there's one coming mightier than I whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. I'm not even worthy to pick them up. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John's recalling these moments and the words that he said and spoke. And here's Jesus coming from Galilee to meet them at the Jordan. And in verse 15 it says, Jesus answers John when John says no. And Jesus answers him and says to him, permit it to be so now. That now means immediately. That the time has come that the Father says now, this is the time, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then scripture says, then he allowed him. And I find that humorous that, oh, John, you're going to allow him to do that? That's the (laughs) son of God? But it was in that moment John's realizing that that this is coming to pass. And, And Jesus says this statement in verse 15. He says it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't say for me. He included us. He included him. That, that there was a plan together that we're going to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, to obey the will of the Father in doing so. To obey the will of the Father of what he's called and Jesus is not only fulfilling it, but Jesus is completing all righteousness. In this very moment that, that, that the, 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 the Old Testament prophet John, who's the last Old Testament prophet, the Old Covenant, and Jesus is now Present here in this baptism, in this feast of his baptism, is going to take place, it's going to be the beginning of the new covenant. And that that all righteousness is being fulfilled in this moment and will be fulfilled. See, by submitting to baptism, Jesus acknowledges God's claim on him, like the others, for total consecration of life and holiness of character. That he's recognizing the importance of that. He's submitting himself to that. As we know, he was that sin. He didn't need to be baptized. That wasn't something he needed to do, but something the Father told him to do. To go. Why? Because there was a greater thing that was going to come. Jesus would go into these same waters that were polluted by those who were repenting. Waters that were polluted and filled with pride and greed and lust and wrath and gluttony and envy and sloth and and name it, that, that those were coming and turning back to God with hopes of leaving those things in those very waters. But Jesus would not only go into the same defiled water, but His baptism would cleanse the waters forever. See, in this moment, John, his ministry, all these things that he was doing is, is, is coming to pass. And, and it goes on in verse 16... When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately. And we're familiar with these verses. Jesus comes up from the water, and behold, the heavens are open with him. And he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and alighting upon him. That that Jesus was illuminated in that moment. Suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, who I'm well pleased. That promise, that verse 11 that was spoken, that you would see it come to pass, John, is being fulfilled. In that very moment, it's coming to realization. It's in this moment we see the fullness of the Trinity. We see we see the one God in three persons. We see an imagery, a picture of the fullness of what God was doing and who he was. And it's being revealed to John. It's being revealed to us to see the fullness of God's plan beginning in this very moment. Jesus, the Son of God, waist high in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit descending like a dove and a voice of the Father from heaven. This is my beloved in who I'm well pleased. See, the common thread of the Trinity that's happening is love. And we see this love. God affirms this love by calling Jesus my beloved Son, whom He loves. And the Holy Spirit descends as an expression of a bond of that love. And Jesus, who loves us, will give up His life for us and begins His ministry for us and the reconciliation to the Father through Him. Jesus' mission is beginning. John's mission is ending. Jesus' mission has begun. And just as Jesus went into those waters of baptism, just as he went and took on the sins of the world, so too would he go to the cross as a baptism and take on the sins of the world so that we can come and have eternal life with him that he would reconcile us back to him and this imagery of that taking place and we see the love of the Father. We see the love that Jesus has and we see the beginning of this new covenant that Jesus is making with his people through these waters of baptism and what he's doing. So we're left with a question and the question I have for you this morning is how do we live out our baptism? What does that look like? For many of us, we were baptized as children, and, and someone stood in the gap to bring us into that covenant, but and but all men, women should be baptized, and the importance of that, that we come into this covenant with God, and we make this covenant with God, but there's a response to our baptism. That, that if we're going to fulfill the plans and purposes, that we have to come to that relationship of what that baptism means and who he is. And, and, and how do I live that out? How do I live out? I think that each one of us has to take a moment and own that relationship of who He is in our life. And how do I grow and strengthen that relationship with who God is? How do I live out that baptism? How do I live out those waters that He cleansed for me? See, in a church here at Intercessor, it's simple as far as, as what our desire to accomplish and do is that we have a desire to reach all those who are lost. And that God would send those who are broken, those who are forgotten, those, those who are addicted, those who are struggling, those who are hurting. And we, we say, God, all those that you've rejected will take. All those who are lost, Lord, may they come that we have a desire to see those who are in darkness all around us. And when I can tell you they are, there's a generation growing up that doesn't know anything about church. They've never had an experience. They, their, their parents have forgotten their faith, have not taught or passed on that faith, that there's not even a baptism to reflect on. I couldn't even ask a generation that question, how do you live out your baptism? And they go, what's baptism? That we live in a post-Christian society, but, but there's still hope. And that hope is in us. And that hope is to proclaim what that baptism means and that not only we're a church that reached the lost, but we're a church that's making disciples. And we're fulfilling what Matthew told us, what I read a little bit earlier, that, that Jesus gives us command, and that's the fullness that we want to see, not that just the lost come to salvation, but the lost come to salvation and become disciples of Christ. And as they become disciples of Christ, that impacts their families, and it builds strong families, and it changes families, it changes the trajectory of those families, and that we break curses. And as they begin to move forward, and we build a church on multiple generations who are following after Christ. That starts with us. How do we live out our baptism? Now, I've simplified that. God spoke to me in this little word, and he's got to give me things simple because I'm a pretty simple guy. And there's a pathway to discipleship, and the pathway here for discipleship is through loving, learning, and leading. And let me explain what that means. There's a pathway through discipleship. And love, or loving, is knowing that God loves us and we are called to show that love to others. Isn't that simple? Here's here's the scary news. Everyone doesn't know that love. But that all that would walk through these doors and us sitting here would know God loves us. That he's not forgotten us, he's not rejected us, but he loves us that we would know that love, and then we're called to go show that love. But it begins in that moment. It's encountering that love. It's in that moment that I turned my life from one direction to another. It was because God, I found out that there was a God who loved me all along and I didn't know. And I surrendered my plan for his plan. But we all meet at that point of love and of him loving us. So loving is the first part or the first beginning of 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 how we go down that road of discipleship, that pathway of discipleship. It starts with loving. And there's loving ministries that the church offers because we want to see you become a disciple. That there's something more involved. That God has, a, has his purpose to be fulfilled. So we offer things. And it's in those moments or it's in those ministries maybe where we encounter that love. A loving ministry like Overcomers or, or Grief Share or Divorce Care or, or maybe you, you've went to a community in Christ and you're new or, or been exploring your faith and, and you've been invited by a friend and you see that they love God and God loves you. It's in that moment that that happens. See, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And we're called to live a life in love. Love being that key ingredient. Mark reminds us of the commandments that we're reminding you every time we come together. As the deacon proclaims that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, come on, soul, mind, and strength. We know this, the first commandment. But the second is what: that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandments greater than these. How do we live that out? How do we live out our baptism? What's the pathway to discipleship? It begins with love. It begins knowing his love for us and how we learn to live and love others. So loving is that first step towards that pathway of discipleship. Second is learning. And learning is this, daily growing in the faith and truth of the gospel. That each one of us have to respond to that love. And we're called to grow in that very relationship with who Christ is. That if, if we're going to be disciples, that means we're students of. And that we have to take on that responsibility to grow. Because no one's going to make you grow. That we have to put the effort in. And with one small change that we make in our life, we'll change the whole plan in the future if we do that now. If we begin to engage that place, how do I grow in, in, in that relationship? How do I grow in that truth? And how do I live my life by that truth? And I've got to grow in the gospel and what this is about. And, and we offer those ministries throughout the church. Again, I just said Alpha is beginning on Tuesday nights or Beta is beginning on Tuesday nights. Or we have a school of ministry that you can get involved with that will help you grow as a disciple. Again, get into a community of Christ and you'll begin to grow and learn. And, or maybe youth group. And here's the problem that, that, that we have, that we're so busy in the world, we're forgetting that we need to grow in the kingdom. And, and yet we've got involved. And parents, what I can tell you right now that if your, ch- young, your children at youth group age are not involved in youth group, they're missing something. Having kids growing up in the public school, what I can tell you is they're not getting a Christian education in a public school. What I can tell you is in some Catholic schools, they're not getting a Christian education, which is a reality, and that's a truth. But, but, but they go, and I know that they have a purpose. And I tell my children that as you go into that school, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and you're part of bringing light in the midst of darkness. And that God's going to use you in that place. But, but we have to learn together, so we've got to get together. And, and the youth need to gather and build that relationship up with one another. It has to become a priority as a parent that I'm going to put my kids in God's kingdom things first, not second. And that holds a priority because how else are we going to learn? How else are we going to grow just like those other ministries for us that we have to get involved with? What I can tell you is that, that that changes their relationship with Christ as a result of gathering together by having that fellowship. And we're called to do that. I'm going to brag on my son a minute who uh, probably would hate that I do this, but <laughs> tough. <laughs> you know, And we have these discussions because the rest of those that we're gathering in the world aren't following what we're following. And we don't want to be pulled into the things of the world. We want to pull the world into the things of the kingdom. And, and that's by us living that kingdom life and sharing that gospel and that good news. And uh, he was in class one day with one of his teachers, and the teacher gave a quote from scripture or something, I don't know if it was sarcastically or what it was, and it grabbed Aiden's attention. As it grabbed his attention, um, uh, he began to ask him, and he says, well, I, I pray and I read the scripture every day, the teacher tells Aiden, And Aiden says, that's awesome. Well, I go to a church, I pray, and I read the scriptures daily as well. And and he says, Yeah, but I don't have a church, I just do that on my own. So Aiden goes into his wallet and he pulls out a card and he says, You know what? (laughs) He said, I really think you'd like our church, and you should come and join us. That's light in the midst of darkness. But we're all called to do that. We're called to have that zeal and fulfill the purpose that God has. And we're not going to do that if we're not learning and growing as we're called to grow. And the other ministries that we offer in men's ministry, women's ministry, and boys' brigade, and GEMS, that we're not doing that just to keep the church busy. I'm doing that to give an alternative to the world so that we can build kingdom people. But that requires us to all participate together. And to make a commitment together that we're going to do it because we've got to grow as those disciples. We've got to to answer our baptism. We've got to follow through on our baptism and what that means to us. And learning is a key component so that we're growing together. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, what? Richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That we come together admonishing one another that, that we're growing richly in wisdom. Who could use some rich wisdom in their life, amen? Yes. And we're growing in that. So it's by loving, it's by learning, and the final thing is by leading. That we're going to answer that call, or follow that call, that we're all called to lead in some fashion. Leading is this, being a servant leader, using our God-given gifts for his kingdom purposes. That there's that gift in each of us. And you might be in the job you're in because it's a God-given gift that God put you in that job. But in your job is part of your ministry. Or wherever else those gifts might lie. And that what would the church look like if all the gifts of God were activated? And that we were fulfilling that. Well, being a leader is being a servant first because Christ modeled servant leadership. So we're called to lead by serving. That, That each of us have a part to play and there's many ways that you can serve around the church. There's close to 50 ministries that take place here at Intercessor. On Sunday morning, there's there's a host of ministries that you can participate in a way to serve or lead that that you could be part of a host of ushers or greeters or readers or chalice bearers or audio or or music or choir or hospitality or you could take on Sunday school and and rotate and be a Sunday school teacher and, and help grow and shape the minds of the next generation as a result of giving back. Or various other ways, but each one of us, maybe start a community, Christ, in your, your community and begin to change your community as a result of that because you have those gifts. But we're called together, and, and, and we're called to exercise those gifts and use those gifts, and, and, and we're called to be leaders. Jesus commanded to go make disciples, not just followers. That we follow him, but the fullness of following him is to be discipled by him and to, and, and to bring that to others. And what does that do? That duplicates that we help others respond to their baptism, that we, we help others live out the call that they have on their life, that fulfill that purpose in their life. And we're called together. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all, and servant of all. That, that we would be his servants. That we would answer that call. That we would see the need of those around us. That we would be his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That together we come and we're a message to a world that's in darkness of hope. And you have that hope within you if you know Christ. And we're called to bring it and we're called to respond to it. And maybe as we're beginning the new year, some of the reevaluating that we do versus trying to make a list of things that we will never get to. Maybe first and foremost is On that list is how do I respond? How do I live out my baptism? Lord, show me how I can do that. Show me a way that I could direct my life so it could be fulfilled, so that I can cut out the noise and the distractions and the things and the busyness of the world so I could fulfill what it is you want me to do and how I can do it and how I could fulfill that. Because there's a pathway to discipleship. And if it begins in that encounter of who he is or begins in that moment, Jesus' moment began in his baptism. And it was in that moment for the next three years that we would read about the incredible works that he would do as he would prepare an eternal place for us. And recognizing what he did, that ministry will continue through us. So we're reminded as John was faithful to his... His, his call. And John was faithful to his purpose. And Jesus fulfilled the very purpose because God loves us and sent his son for us. The disciples fulfilled their very purpose. Well, that ministry continues in and through us. And my prayer is that each of us would find that place that God has his plan and his purpose as we build his kingdom together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, that you're present in our highs and in our lows. And Father, we would ask that uh, if our hearts have wandered, that you would bring us back to that place, Lord, that we would too would turn to come to that deeper relationship. Lord, I ask that. For those who are here that maybe don't have that relationship yet, maybe you haven't made that commitment of who Christ is in your life, you haven't turned, you haven't responded in that way, he desires that relationship, that he gives this gift of grace through faith, that that he calls us into a relationship, that he gave himself up for us, not just for a moment, but for an eternal life that we could have and be spent with him, to know that love forever. But we've got to respond to that love he has for us. And the only way to respond to that love that he has for us is to say, Lord, I'm all in, that I surrender. And I ask you to come into my life that way. Transform me, change me. And he does, and he will. And we begin to head and live out those plans and purposes. And if you haven't asked Jesus in your life that way, it begins there with that relationship. So what we have to do is respond. And if you'd like to know him in that way and live out your life in that way for his plans and purposes, the fullness of what he's intended, it starts with that relationship. If you want to have that relationship with him and know him in that way, I want to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with me, just raise your hand right now and we'll pray together. Just ask the Lord in your life that way. Thank you. Well, Father, we pray that you would help us fulfill our holy call. Lord, that we would be light to those around us. That, Lord, we would take that love and show that love. Lord, that we would learn and grow in your truth. And, Lord, that we would lead by being servants. Help us, Lord, walk out your kingdom plan. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord and taking up our offering. So let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.